Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Game Time with Manny. This month, I'm going to be talking about the newly released JRPG from Square Enix, I Am Setsuna. Um, it's trying to hark back to the Japanese RPGs of old that I used to love. I mean, Chrono Trigger is my favorite game of all time. And it just so happens that I Am Setsuna has almost exactly the same battle system. Uh, and it pays a lot of homage to Chrono Trigger. I don't necessarily think that it is super amazing. Um, it tries really hard to be an old-school JRPG, and that doesn't always pay off. In the end, it kind of feels like a Japanese RPG, but I think that they should have gone more in a little bit of a modern direction, uh, because not everything that used to work back on the Super Nintendo works now. Uh, and I also think that a little bit of the characterization was kind of weak, and the writing could have been a little better in spots, but uh, I'll get deeper into that in the actual podcast. So without further ado, it's game time. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. Um I believe it was last the E3 before last that Square Enix did their own press conference, which they normally don't do. Um they showed some uh Kingdom Hearts 3 was like the main Japanese release I can remember and then since they own IDOS now, they showed like Just Cause and a bunch of US games or more western focused games, which is kind of weird. Um, and it was sort of like Baby's first press conference. Uh, it was actually, if you go back and watch it, it was like super, super cringeworthy. Uh, but I, I had a lot, of, a lot of fun watching it. And one, one of the things they did do in that was they announced that they had made a new studio uh, called Tokyo RPG Factory. And just as their name implies, they were created to make JRPGs, specifically ones that were like the... Uh, ones people look back fondly on on the Super Nintendo, like Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Super Mario RPG, things like that. And uh, once I learned that, I actually got super excited because Chrono Trigger is my favorite game of all time. Um, and then a lot of JRPGs like Super Mario RPG and Earthbound, they like informed my gaming taste now, I think. Like, I really like... RPGs that have like timing based elements uh, and I actually really like rhythm games which are also timing based elements uh, and Earthbound is like that super weird style and I find myself gravitating more towards like weird super crazy Japanese only games um, things like Captain Rainbow and like Giftpia and stuff like that and I think it is honestly because a lot of those JRPGs like they were written so well and they had such a sense of style that they really informed my opinions um, so Tokyo RPG Factory was made to do that, uh, and they, they did, they made a game called I Am Setsuna, which I remember seeing th uh, the first trailer for it, actually, um, once they had an idea of what the game was, and it literally has Chrono Trigger's battle system. It's an active time battle system, the ATB, which... 
is basically for those of you who have never played a turn-based RPG before, normally you just like take turns with the enemy um, and you're given options like fight, attack, defend, items, things like that. <clears throat> In Chrono Trigger, it's a little bit more active than just waiting your turn normally. Um, there are little bars underneath each character and once they fill up, then it is their turn. Uh, so in Chrono Trigger, you could have it set to two options, wait and, uh, active. So wait means if it is your turn and you are like choosing a skill or something, the enemy can't attack, but active means that they can just keep going no matter what. I tend to choose wait, which a lot of people think is blasphemous, but, uh, it gives me more time to think and actually use a little bit more strategy as opposed to just rushing and doing something dumb. But people people swear by active and that that's the only way you can play Chrono Trigger, but no, whatever, that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, uh, yeah, so I play, I play on weight, and even more than just the fact that the battle system is the same, it also has the same skill system as Chrono Trigger. Well, not exactly, but very close. So in Chrono Trigger, every battle you would earn uh, TP, tech points, and when you got enough tech points, the character would learn a new tech. And they're basically like skills, like things like magic and just like really powerful attacks. Um, and they could team up with other characters. So if three characters were ready to attack at the same time and they had the right techs, they could um, they could use uh, dual techs or triple techs if there's three characters, two if the dual if it's two. And they could team up and do these super powerful attacks. And the same happens in I Am Setsuna. Uh, but you do not earn the skills that way. You equip them. So there is a magic system called Spirit Knight. Spirited Knight. I don't know. I always say Spirit Knight. That doesn't... That's weird. But... The way it works is when you beat enemies uh, using certain methods, like with certain uh, elemental weaknesses and things like that, they drop specific items. Uh, there is a shopkeeper who you sell all of those dropped materials to, and with those, he can craft new magic spells for you to equip. Uh, and each character has certain slots, depending on what equipment they have, they can equip more things. Uh, there are attack ones, which are the ones that will get you dual techs and triple techs if everybody's ready. And then there are support ones, so like ones that just basically like a certain amount of the time your attack percentage will increase and things like that. And those just kind of, those are just uh, more like passive buffs, I guess. And so the other way that I am sets in a differs in the battle system is it tries to implement this system called the momentum system. Um, so once your ATB gauge fills and you're ready to attack, if you wait and don't attack, there is a circle next to the character's, uh, character art on the bottom of the screen, and that will slowly fill up, and once it gets to the, to the top, it gets, like, a little dot on the top of it, and you can get up to three of those dots, and each of those dots is, uh, a momentum gauge. So what happens is, say you have one momentum gauge and you do an attack, when you do a regular attack, if you have momentum, uh, the screen will kind of flash blue for a second, or like right above the character's head will flash blue. And if you push the square button during that time when you have one momentum gauge, it will use up one of those momentum gauges and add an effect to it. So like for most uh, like physical attacks, it will um, just do more damage. 
Sometimes it'll, like, attack twice. The main thing it's used for is skills. So, like, say the main character, Endear, he has a skill uh, called Aura that fully heal. Well, doesn't fully heal. It almost fully heals everyone. If you use a momentum gauge on that, it will also heal everyone's status effects. Or, like, uh, some buffs, like if you use Wall, which increases your defense. Normally, it would only be used on one character, but if you use momentum with it, then it goes to every character. And it adds a kind of, like, timing-based element, because if you mash square, it doesn't work. You actually have to kind of time it correctly. The window is kind of wide, but I definitely noticed that if you mash square, it does not work at all, which, that's cool, because it adds that timing-based element I was talking about earlier that I really like, and it kind of adds another layer to the strategy. Um, It's weird, though, because later on, I ended up breaking the game system, kind of, and it would be cooler if I Am Setsuna was difficult, right? I normally don't say that kind of thing because I like playing through games uh, for the story, but I Am Setsuna was easy to the point where a lot of the battles ended up being trivial and not really very fun. Uh, near the end game, some of the bosses were super difficult because they could end up killing you in one hit, and that's the only reason I would die. So. I don't know if this would happen to everyone, but I I literally broke the game uh, because I could never die unless something killed me in one hit. So uh, I, I don't really want to get into like spoilers in this. So you I you use the main character Endear, the character with the big sword. You get kind of early on Knitter or Neater. I don't know how you actually say it because there's no voice acting in the game. Uh, and then the last character you get, who is a major spoiler. Um. And what's crazy is uh, there are there are no inns in this game, so you can't heal outside of using items like on the world map and things like that. So like you use tents to heal magic and H, uh, HP, and like cabins will fully restore everyone in the party, things like that. Um, so MP becomes a very big deal. But later in the game, what what I would do every battle? This is every battle. I can't joke with you about this. If I got hurt. Endear would heal with Aura, and then Neater and the spoiler character that you get near the end of the game uh, would use a dual tech called Dragon Blade. And now what Dragon Blade does is it attacks a single enemy, and it gives you back a large percentage of the HP and MP that you did in damage. So for each of those characters, it costs 30 magic to use this skill. And no matter what, they would get back at least 60 MP every time I used it. Well, not every time. So if you just use it regularly, it gives you basically what it costs to use the skill back and a bunch of HP. If you use it with momentum, it'll give you back double that. So I would get back over double the magic I had spent to use the skill, and I would almost fully heal. So this is why the only way things could kill me later on is with a one-hit kill attack is because I would be f- have full health all the time. And that's crazy. And, like, uh, the main character, Endear, he also got a life spell, so if he didn't die, then I could easily just start the whole thing over again and get everybody back to, to top, tip-top shape. And, like, that, that's a little broken. Um... There is a way to unlock hard mode. Um, you find a secret area way later on, and a guy asks you basically, like, hey, do you want to make this hard mode? And it's like a 
it's a super hidden area, so it's a cool concept, but I don't, I don't honestly think that the game has a lot of replay value. It's not like Chrono Trigger, where once you beat the game, there are tons and tons of endings you can go back and get, or that your characters keep the same stats and you keep the same items you had. Um, you keep, nothing carries over, it's just harder in I Am Setsuna, and there's there's no there's no reason to do it because there's only one ending and nothing carries over it's it's kind of lame but i mean if you're looking for that extra challenge you can definitely do that but you're going to be late enough in the game that like you're going to have to start over for it to really make that much of a difference and that kind of sucks i wish it was one of those things where you unlocked it from the beginning so people who wanted that kind of challenge could do that but eh. So, that's the basis of the game, the battle system, and if you're a JRPG fan, that's probably what's going to interest you the most, but personally for me, uh, I like RPGs the best, they're my favorite genre, because of the uh, writing, the character development, the plot, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the world building, anything like that. Uh, I, w- I was an English major in college, and that, that is why. because I like writing, I like reading, and JRPGs have always interested me in that way. So what we got here is, when I say it, sounds really dumb out loud, uh, but it's basically the story of Final Fantasy X. And it, at first I thought it wasn't really going to be, but there are too, too many parallels to Final Fantasy X. So you, you start off, you're Endir, and you are a masked mercenary who is tasked with killing the Sacrifice. And now, if anyone played FF10, you know that Yuna's whole thing was she was supposed to sacrifice herself to create the calm so that the monsters would be docile for, like, ten years or whatever it was. Um, and that is the role of Setsuna in this game. Uh, so you are in Deer, you're tasked to kill her, you go to the town, uh, you try to kill her, but she f- you fail and she forgives you, and then basically says, like, hey, join my guard, I'm gonna die anyways, so why not come with me and make sure that I die safely? And, uh, since you're not really given a choice, because it's, uh, I don't know, that's just the plot, you, you go along with her, um, and the whole thing is about your journey, uh, as Endear and the rest of the characters who end up becoming her guard, to take her to, oh, I'm drawing a blank here. What was the final area called? Dang it, I'm not going to remember. It was like, end something. The end, edge of the world? No, that's a Grim Fandango. Whatever, that's not important. You take her to the last place where she is supposed to sacrifice herself in order to cause uh, what amounts to like 10 years of peaceful monster behavior because the monsters are uh, they're getting a little rowdy. And so you you go through and you meet all these characters and like they're all like very much archetypes like Knitter the big sword guy is essentially Orin from FF10. Uh it's just it's very odd how close it is to FF10. It, it makes the story overall seem very unoriginal. Uh but not all the characters draw direct parallels. So they're interesting in their own way, but what was a real bummer to me was there's never enough character development to make you truly care about them. Like by the end of Chrono Trigger, I loved Robo Man. 
I was all about that man. I was all about that robot dude. He was my boy. Like, he, ah, Robo, he's so good, and he gets a lot of character development, he gets emotions, he learns that he can do whatever he wants, he doesn't have to, like, conform to what he's supposed to do as a robot, uh, he ends up going up against the person who created him, and he gets a sweet girlfriend, Natropos, it's all awesome, and, like, think about Frog, right? Like, Frog is so dope. He cuts the mountain in half, he ends up challenging the guy who turned him into a frog, but ends up forgiving him because he's such a baller, he just wants to protect his kingdom. Like, the only character in Chrono Trigger that's not very well developed is Chrono, and that's because he's theoretically supposed to be a freaking conduit for the player character because he's a silent protagonist. And so, like, that's one of the things that bothers me is because this game draws so many comparisons to Chrono Trigger and the battle system, and they, like, invoke Chrono Trigger all the time. Like, I I can't make this shit up, man. Uh, There are some weapons that they get later on in the game. So, you get this magic person, Kier, okay? And he uses a staff as a weapon. One of his ultimate weapons is he has a weapon called Luca's Rod. And anyone who played Chrono Trigger knows that Luca had a hammer on her back that she would use in battle. And the description of it is, like, used by an ancient hero based off of their weapon. And it's like, wow, that's Chrono Trigger, right? And then, like, Knitter has a weapon that is literally Ayla's club. And it has the same description, like, based off of a legendary hero. And I I think there are a couple other ones that I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, Even some of the texts are exactly the same. Like, you, you can't make it up. Uh... Aeterna, like the weird rogue character and the main character and Deer, have a dual dual tech that is literally X-Strike. They do X-Strike, which is a dual tech from Chrono and Frog. Uh, Antipode Burst is a dual tech. Aeterna learns Frog Squash. Uh, Setsuna learns Luminaire. Uh... There's a tech dual uh, dark mist. I think there's also a dark matter tech like Magus had. Like it's clearly trying to invoke Chrono Trigger, but I think that the character development and the world building fall short. So one of the reasons why I think the character development doesn't exactly work out is because the pace is uh, very quick. It's very snappy, um, which I can't complain about because sometimes JRPGs like labor on everything and make everything take a little bit too long, but it is very snappy. The issue, I think, comes from that it is paced a little too fast. So, like, you go from having just Endear in your party to having three party members to having four and five all too fast. So you end up having six for a long time and then right near the end of the game you get the last character right before the final boss like there's a boss before the final boss and after that you get the last character so they get no chance for character development unless you go back and do the end game side quests which are a whole other can of worms that i'll get into after this uh but they're they're just not given enough time to shine on their own like they're all as a group and it's a lot harder to make characters grow like that in a group when it's like well you don't even know who these last two characters are but now i gotta try to write about four of them at a time and they all just kind of drown each other out and that's lame because i think that they all have a lot of potential and in fact like some of them i think are pretty good like kier gets his time to shine uh you learn about his brother 
and like Kier is a special kind of human. I, I don't necessarily want to get into all the intricacies of the plot, but Kier is actually, I think, probably the best developed character, which he's also maybe my least favorite one, but he still has good development, right? And so that's that's where the second part of my issue with I Am Setsuna comes in, other than the lack of character development and it being a little bit too easy. Um, the world it takes place in is supposed to be somber and a little bit barren. So everything, it's all snow, snowing all the time. And most of the towns are just kind of like wooden log cabins uh, in a snowy setting. And all of the music in the game is a piano soundtrack, which I personally enjoy. I've heard a lot of people say it really, really grades on them, though. Like, they they have to turn off the sound after a certain amount of time. And, you know, when it's a piano-only soundtrack, I get that. Like, sometimes it does get annoying, especially when it's, like, on a loop and... Uh, it just keeps going and going, but it's all very peaceful and I think really well done. I like the music and I, I think the world is cool too. Like people who know me know that every time there's a snow town in a, in an RPG or in a video game, I get mad hype. I think snow towns are beautiful in JRPGs. Like you think about like the cell shading and Nino Cooney on the PS3 and like when you get to that snow town, ah, oh, too good. So good. Um, but when every town is a snow town, it loses a little bit of that luster, right? Uh, and it's it's hard. It's hard to uh, hard to care after the like third or fourth snow town, and how most of the towns end up looking the same. And like I get that they had a low budget, but they they did choose that theme. Uh, they didn't and they probably had to make a lot of the towns look the same because of their because of budget constraints, but. You know, it's something that grades on you, and if I had gone through every town just once, it would be fine, but I didn't. I went through most of them three, four, five times, and the reason that is is because you go through the game the first time, and there is a locked chest in every area that you cannot open until near the end of the game and if once again chrono trigger had the same thing there were locked chests and eventually you'd get the ability to go back and do it but in chrono trigger you could travel back through time and you could make the chests have better things and usually nine times out of ten they were in very easily accessible areas from the world map and they actually had things that were worthwhile in them. In I Am Setsuna, they have some decent weapons, but you can end up making better ones. And there's one in every area, okay? So literally, you go through the game, you're right near the end, you have to go back through every single area, and there is no easy way to escape. So, like, you get to the end of a dungeon to unlock this chest, you have to walk all the way back out, which made me want to scream. And half the time, the... Weapons aren't even really worth it, like I said, because you can make better ones, or they're just really lame Spirit of Night pieces, so you don't even get, like, really super cool text from a lot of them, uh, and so you go back and you do that, and then you continue to the po point of no return at the end of the game, and then you find out that that's when all the side quests activate, so you have to go back to most of the areas a third time to relive them a third time so that you can get the best Spirit Knight pieces in the game. Like, it's, it's a baffling design choice that I do not understand. It's especially weird because since the game is only about, like, 20 hours long, that means you're visiting most areas in the game three times at minimum, 
uh, if you want to get everything, and that's a very that's a very short amount of time for that because it doesn't give you enough time to forget what was in that area. It's not like in Final Fantasy IX or something when you've played the game for like 50 hours and then you go back to like the second town and start a side quest and it's cool and exciting. It's like, man, I gotta go back here already? That's butt. And uh, it, it just it, it bothers me, obviously, because <laughs> I'm getting very upset about it. But overall, I think I Am Setsuna is a good first game from Tokyo RPG Factory. Like, while I don't necessarily think that it is as amazing as I used to think that the SNES JRPGs were, like, those games didn't exactly age perfectly either. I mean, Chrono's Trigger is still my favorite game of all time, but, like, it has issues. Like, Earthbound has some issues, Super Mario RPG has some issues, and I think that if they get a little bit more creative with the story, and it's just not generic sacrifice time, the story then the next game could from them could be really awesome. Uh, but what I think is kind of bad is I don't think this game sold well in Japan, and I definitely don't think it sold well here, here either. Um, I'm basing it here, at least, off of the fact that I couldn't find any information I needed online. Uh, like, the, the, all the side quests are activated in a certain town by having certain people in your party, so it's kind of hard to tell unless you just, like, have everybody out in your party and, like, swap them out and talk to everybody. So, I would search, like, uh, someone's side quest, and it would come up with a Silicon Era article that has incorrect information in it. Like, I had to go in there and correct it once I figured out where the person actually was. I, I wrote to them. I'm sure they'll never change it because it was a news article from like two weeks ago. But it that's the first search result that comes up is misinformation when I would search for a lot of this stuff. Or I would I, where I ended up finding most of the side quest information when I needed to look it up was on YouTube. I would search it and I would get these videos from these like super not well known channels and they would have like a hundred views on them. And, like, normally for a game that costs 40 bucks on PSN and is, like, an old-school JRPG type thing, you would those videos would have at least thousands of views, right? Like, I put up a trophy guide on my blog about Grim Fandango's re-release, and that thing got thousands and thousands and thousands of views. Within the first couple days, I put it up because people were rabid for that information. So, like, it seems odd that a couple weeks after release, those videos would still only have, like, 100 or so views, and, like... That's a bummer to me because I hope that Tokyo RPG Factory gets another chance because I think that they could learn from the mistakes they made in I Am Setsuna and make something that is actually super, super dope. Um, to be quite honest with you, I got my hopes up for this game thinking that it was going to be like, oh, it's going to like bring back all these nostalgic feelings. And it, it kind of did, but not the ones I wanted to <laughs> more brought up some feelings of frustration like uh you can't skip cutscenes in this game which like obviously the first time you go through something you're reading all the dialogue you don't want to skip it but when you die to the boss and you gotta like button through 10 minutes of dialogue not super great not great um but that's just like a that's a nitpicky thing I guess it's cool I am Setsun is cool that's all that's all I have to say about the game. Uh, you should try it out. It's for the PS4 only. It's a bummer because it was for the Vita in Japan as well. But for some reason, Square won't localize a lot of Vita games. Most companies won't because the Vita kind of tanked in the U.S. 
But that's neither here nor there. Thank you guys for listening once again. We're up to episode 18. I'm very excited to be here. I enjoy doing this every month. I've been getting a little bit later and later. Now it ends up being like a week instead of the first day. But, you know, cut me some slack. I get busy sometimes. I got to do things. I actually hadn't beaten I Am Setsuna until a couple days ago, so I couldn't give my full thoughts. But there you go. I'll be back next month. And as always, the theme song is the song Sting Operation by the band Anamanaguchi. Uh, give them a give them a listen. They're a great band. Thank you guys very much for listening. I will see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>